0: Good morning, good afternoon, good night my dears. Welcome to the Worldwide Podcast number 2604 guys. So we are traveling to Africa again for this episode. But just first of all, before presenting our guest, I just want to ask, how's Guilherme? How's Guilherme? What are you doing, bro?
1: Hey guys, how's it going? I'm good living that Cape Capetonian life. I've been saying Capetorian, but it's Cape Tonian. So people, especially the valley girls have been killing me for that. But otherwise, it's been dope. Like the weather has been shitty the last days, but man, I'm ready for this episode. Coming to Africa again, we only need one country, one country in the whole continent. So I'm ready to do our second one and it's with Zimbabwe. So let's get into it and presenting our guest, amazing guest, Dumi my co-worker in Feldenk Company. How are you, man? How's it going?
2: Hey, guys. All good. Thanks for having me on the platform. I'm really stoked. Uh, it's been a crazy weather week, as Guillermo will say. I mean, we, we both cycle to work. He's a little bit closer <laughs> to work, but so he can get away from the rain Stay a bit further. I'm, I'm a bit scared to cycle this week because the weather's been crazy.
1: Yeah, and especially with my bike that the brakes don't work. I have to be like swerving through people and through like the, <laughs> the rain and everything. It's yeah, it's not the, the best for sure.
0: How far but. do you live from your place? From, I mean, from the workplace? Oh, for me? You both.
2: <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit further. I'm more in the center of the city because right now we're, we're near the coast where our office is. So right. I'm more city center. I'd say it's about 15 minute cycle.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, but still, in the rain, in the rain, it it sucks. Yeah, and well, I know the rain. I, it's not
2: bad. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> and the rain here, I mean, in the South Hemisphere of the world, is the worst because you know, as I live here in Brazil, last week it was raining cats and dogs, and it was crazy. Like, and the day after, it was a sunny, sunny day that everybody was in the beach playing soccer. Yeah, and, and it's totally crazy, man. The weather, raining. So that sounds
2: like, sounds like Cape Town because like they always make a pretty joke in that you can get four seasons in one day like pretty you could big. be having the most beautiful sunny day and it starts storming. it gets crazy quick.
0: <laughs> pretty much so, pretty much so uh do me charles uh, how, how do you want do you want me to call your name charles do me uh
1: you can call me, you can call me Doomy.
0: All right. <laughs> so Jimmy feels
1: very sophisticated. Yeah, Let's... it feels. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Charles,
0: like very that's my, that's my
1: paperwork name. That's so nice. ah, all <laughs> right. <laughs> Signature name.
0: It sounds sounds very, you know, British, you know, Mr. Charles, yeah. you going? do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So uh, do me Zimbabwe, buddy. Uh, I mean, th- this country, I- I'm really into rugby so i know zimbabwe has a really good team right there but that's all i know about your country my bad i'm sorry but and the only thing i I know also it's you guys changed their name right there was a other name before right
2: yeah the name changed once independence kicked in like 1980 actually in i think in the next 11 days 18th of april zimbabwean independence um so that's when the name officially changed to Zimbabwe from Rhodesia, which was like the Rhodesia. name that the colonizers came and um, named it. But 1980, everything changed, and we got a we got an actual name. The name Zimbabwe means house of stone, um, so that's quite significant. Wow. If you look at like some of our like our culture in terms of the, the things that are printed on our money, you'll see a lot of stonework on our on our money and stuff like that. Well, back when we had an actual functioning currency and you could have it but i'm not up to date with what the currency looks like today because it's forever changing <laughs> <laughs> is this it like changing. stone
1: because there's a lot of paintings on the walls from like past ancestors or is it like or is it another thing from the stone so
2: the the birthplace to my knowledge of like the tribes and the culture started in a place called great zimbabwe and that's uh That's a historic site right now, just like what Robin Island would be in Cape Town or Union Buildings in Pretoria. And the entire foundation of that um, colony that stayed in Great Zimbabwe was surrounded by a fort made of soapstone. So it was built like around a circle, obviously to do with war tactics and to block enemies out. The walls are super high. And fun fact is there's no cement or mud holding the bricks together. Oh, how is that? Um, it's what? Yeah, they're so flat. They sit perfectly around each other. So, so it's like the, the, the pyramid. Right? It's like a pyramid. So the central yeah. figure is actually a pyramid. It's actually wow. like a cone shape. So maybe Whoa. one day take, take a moment to Google Great Zimbabwe, and you'll see like, how crazy those structures are. I hope it looks the same today.
1: <laughs> oh, Actually, yeah, I had no idea. That's insane. And uh, yeah. when did you move from Zimbabwe to uh, South Africa? Oof.
2: late 2007, getting into 2008. I think it was August 2007. So so you were a
0: young man I was, back there.
2: Yeah, I was, I was fifth grade. I was like, what, what is fifth grade? About 10, 11 years old. So, uh-huh. yeah, um, I moved here when I was pretty young and kind of almost like I have to start a, a new life, like literally because the amount of time I spent there, I didn't have enough time to learn much history and much language. I always mm-hmm. moved around cities in that country and we've got I think four different languages in our country. So I never caught hold of any other language. And as soon as like I'm becoming a like you know, an adult, almost a young adult, then snap I'm moving to another country. We have to learn another language. Uh, out of eleven languages in this whole country, you know. Jesus. Sounds, and
1: sounds and what was crazy. like the the main reason that you came to South Africa with your family?
2: The, at the time, it was the situation in the country was really terrible in the sense that um, there were no resources. You know, people had to queue for petrol at two in the morning. Um, there was no money coming out of the ATMs, and there was no food in the shelves. Like it was very scarce to the point that people are like racing to get to the shop before the next. Um, so it became a little too crazy. And my dad luckily found the opportunity to move his career over to South Africa. So he actually moved two years before us and we followed through afterwards. And mm. that's pretty much the reason. And
1: did you move directly to Cape Town or did you stay in uh, other places in South Africa?
2: Straight to Cape Town, but more um, in the suburban areas, about 50 kilometers from here, there's a place called Somerset West. Um, mm. And yeah. in that, it's like... A, it's like I don't know. I don't know if it's still part of Cape Town, but we'll still say it's part of it. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. And do you do, you do you have it? family there in Zimbabwe? Do you often go there to visit? I mean it's I not too far
2: plenty family, but right. not too much visiting. I think I haven't been there in three years. I haven't been there since twenty nineteen. Right. Somewhere around that time. Um, but I have lots of family there. Um, but my parents, my brother, are in Pretoria, which is on the other side of South Africa. So they're a little bit closer to Zim, so they can travel back and forth easily. But for me, it's a little bit more difficult for the, the logistics of that trip.
1: What are like the, the things that you look most forward to when uh, when you return to Zimbabwe? Like, for example, in 2019, what are the things on the top of your head? Like, I want to do this when I get there.
2: All the spots that I used to go to as like a, a kid. That I never That's really so spent Teenagers, teenage years there. Every time we would visit when I was a teenager, I would find something new and interesting, but then I would never have enough time to be around it. So as soon as I get the chance to go back every time, I go back and do the same things that like I found interesting years back, which is pretty much like just driving on shitty roads and potholes or like um
0: memories, I right? I guess.
2: Oh, yo, dude, it's crazy out there, dude. It's like it's like four by you need a four by four to stay in that country.
1: It's crazy. <laughs> I feel you, but
0: how, how, how's the food? Because there are a lot of people, you know, from abroad, um, I I include myself in it. Um, I mean that they think that the food right there in South Africa or the whole continent right there, they are similar. So, uh, how is the food shock of you, you know, being from Zimbabwe that you got by getting there in South Africa, did you get any shock that the foods are similar? How's the feeling?
2: Um, There's a couple of similarities. There's one meal that South Africans, Zimbabweans, I think Africans in general, we share is, um, South Africans call it PAP, P-A-P. In my country, we call it sada, which is maize meal. It's a a maize meal mix um, with water and it like makes a fluffy white, like uh, almost like a mashed potato, but a bit more tangible and like um, more texture. Um, So we share those meals and similar and otherwise everything else was a bit new to me in terms of like McDonald's. McDonald's was new to me. I think KFC was new to me, like having that kind of stuff was mind blowing. And also being in Cape Town, which is also a crazy area for food. Let me tell you that much. There's Cape Town is a variety of like delicacies like from the local like cultures that are here. And one of the first things that blew my mind when I came here was a thing called a Gatsby. Now, I think I've tried to explain it to Guillermo before. Yeah, but yeah, Gatsby, yeah. It's, it's like a, a large baguette roll that's stuffed with like chips and like a sauce or like a gravy sauce and st- whatever meat you want. So like there's like a chicken Gatsby, there's a masala steak Gatsby, there's just a chips Gatsby. And that thing blew my mind because of the size, how cheap it was and like it's almost scattered all around the city, like in Europe. You have a duna kebab stand, like almost <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Sounds like you know, for cutting a hangover right after drinking a lot. Sounds like this meal for you know, having right right after you get. I you think know, that's a
2: crazy hangover meal. All the starch that's in there, like the potatoes and the bread,
1: all right, and like you
2: go straight to sleep after eating.
1: <laughs> Cutting yeah, the hunger right away. That's cool. That's
0: cool. Yeah. But it is
1: true. I, I i do see a lot of Gatsby places like the doner kebabs that you talked about in Europe. They're like mm. scattered around every place. And, and I still haven't needed city. one. So I, I, I do have to go try one for sure. If you do so need I'm... one, I'll have to show you the right spot
2: because some of yeah. the inner city ones, they are like very, like, not in tune with what the actual flavors of the Gatsby are traditionally. So, mm-hmm. you'll find a little bit of experimenting in flavors, and you're like, oh, this is not working out. Like, why do I have chicken biryani in a Gatsby? Or why do I have a chicken curry in a Gatsby? And that's not how
1: it really works. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well. 100%. Sounds awesome. And now, like, talking about your. So, like, this is obviously the big thing, but Do Me for our listeners, he's a great, great fucking editor. He's amazing. Uh, I want to know, like, how was your journey? Like, how did you become obsessed with editing? Why did you start it in the first place? Your career? Uh, yeah. How did, all, how did it all started? Jeez.
2: My career started with my dad, like, right there and forward. My dad is a filmmaker as well. Oh, in his cool, own trade. Um, So I grew up with a dad who was a director, a former producer, editor. He did everything and he was a news anchor. So I spent a lot of my childhood in like a studio situation. I was always at my dad's TV studio when he used to present national news in um, Zimbabwe. And then like it started from there, pretty much like, I think I have photos of when I was a baby <laughs> um, at my parents' place and I'm just in the edit studio with my dad. So <laughs> I figured you started to be there. an
0: man there in Zimbabwe.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like cool. it was so crazy at the time because it got us out of a lot of trouble. Like, if we were driving like 600Ks um, to go visit my grandmother, and obviously my dad is speeding, and the cops stop us, and they always <laughs> like, the Oh my goodness,
1: <laughs> no, oh my goodness, photograph, yeah. <laughs> yeah. photograph, you're the guy for the yeah. news. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we would
2: be like, Yay, yeah. Yeah, that's me, that's me. <laughs> like, so, it had some advantages, but like, I was very inspired by like his work ethic. And I tried to run away from it a bit, to be honest. Uh, I wanted to find my own identity. Um, and at some point, like maybe ninth, 10th grade, I was like, fuck it, I think I wanna be a, a dentist, you know? And like, that was my way of running away from that career path. And then I couldn't get into any big school because of my grades, I was never good in school. So my grades are not good enough to get into a good college and i just said you know what let me just do this full thing um but before it, that it, i was it, like, it is on your blood I was it. Pardon? it
0: is on your blood it's on your blood 100 <laughs> like
2: I, I can't not think about editing like it's so crazy yeah it's stuck in here
1: hmm. yeah that's passion that's literally passion if you if you have it there's no escaping it like yeah for sure it's a, it's a big help because some people
2: get into the industry because they see it like, and they're exposed to it. Like they're like, oh my goodness, photography is trending. I want to be a photographer. But then there's some people who are naturally like, like damn, I've been doing this. I've had a camera since I was three years old or something. And like they've continued that trajectory like from a, from a child to an adult. So the mm-hmm. passion really helps with like
1: pushing your craft a bit further. For sure, and I can imagine that hip hop also helped a lot. That was something that when we when I came in here, I was so happy that I had a person as well that like loved hip hop. And uh, yeah, that, of course, <laughs> I can I'm so inspired by hip
2: hop. Hip hop is like like my fuel sometimes, um, especially when I'm editing like documentaries. There's times where I'm like trying to figure out the mood for a scene, and I'll go straight to like a hip hop track just to build my my scene on. Because obviously it's a copyright song, and we can't use it, then I'll swap it out, but at least it's helped me create a rhythm pattern that I'm gonna use um and like um I think Guillermo and I have a similar taste in in music, so it was it was interesting to hear someone else who liked Playboy Cardi and Juice World, and like <laughs> That's it. it was it was amazing
1: for sure, for sure, especially' because there's no many rappers that come here to play, so I guess like the culture is not as big. In South Africa yeah. as, it, as it would be like some countries in Europe where rappers are always coming, especially the UK. I mean, the UK is massive on hip-hop. Even we're always their own we're style. Also
2: jealous about that, that like the rest of the world gets concerts and these big artists coming and we only get like maybe one every three years. Yeah. yeah,
0: And they go always to the festivals, right, where it's full of people and fucking expensive. They go to-
2: they go to Johannesburg. They never come to Cape Town unless right. they come to this festival called Rocking the Daisies, which takes place in Cape Town around October time. But you'll always find out. Like I think Migos came. Mm. They played in Jo'burg. Travis came. He played in Jo'burg, and some other cats came. Um, i I'm, last month. Um, Earth Gang. I don't know if you're not familiar with them, but Earth Gang was in Cape Town last month. Mm. Um, That's so like, every now and then they're coming to reconnect with Africa. A lot of the the black musicians,
0: and what it's about like the, the local ones, the rappers? Shoot. I mean, you got a bunch of the local app app is from, really
2: cool. They're real good. It's really cool. Yeah, I mean, not as big as Joburg. Joburg is really good at promoting artists like the work ethic there. But Cape Town's got a really crazy culture um, in terms of rap in this particular genre, Khoza rap. So Khoza is one of the eleven languages in South Africa, and it's about 80% like the language predominant in Cape Town. So we have a lot of rappers who speak in that, um, in that um, language and that culture is growing so big. Like the, the music events for underground artists are like probably a lot better than our A-list artists like in, um, in like the rest of the country um, because like people have so much passion for the style right now. Like it's, it's like, that's where they wanna be.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. I see it. And just Cape Town just seems so much more appealing than Johannesburg for artists to come here. I mean, they have so much to do, like imagine getting paid and for the stay and just for the concert itself and being in like a place like Cape Town. I don't know why they just don't come here more often. I guess it's just like PR, like promotion, that kind of stuff, because venues they exist sponsorship. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: an expensive city. A lot of people are turned away by the fact that they can barely afford to live here and if you can't have a place to stay, it means you really can't focus on work because you're always worrying about how much money you need to continue staying in the city. But Joburg, mm. people people live a more like relaxed life in the sense that rent is a lot cheaper in Johannesburg. What I would be paying for rent at my current flat, I could get a two-bedroom apartment in Joburg which mm. like already like let's say half half the price in, in the sense that one bedroom is this amount and two bedrooms is the same amount in the two different cities so rappers want to be in joburg because it's like it's cheaper to live there studio time is probably a lot cheaper and you get to work with a lot more people the variety is there
1: no for sure i feel like people need to share apartments in here in order to like live yeah especially, especially like in seapoint where i'm like i cannot imagine how the whole apartment that I'm in would cost if it was only me, like it's, yeah, yeah. it's insane. I mean, you hear a lot in Cape Town,
2: someone be like, oh, my flatmate, my flatmate. And it turns out everybody's got a flatmate. Everyone has <laughs> to split that and share that. Coffee.
1: It feels like New York in a way. It feels like New York, because yeah, everybody in New true. York always has, also has like a flatmate, because it's impossible. To yeah. Be Man- Manhattan
2: yeah, that's and the close culture, that's the culture. It's like, cut yeah. costs, at all costs, cut costs. <laughs>
0: Basically. Sure. Like yeah. if he, if someone show up saying no, I'm going to my flat, is, he's definitely rich or he's you know uh, into some scams or kind of stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Got a crypto scam going yeah, on in the for back sure. there. Just one
1: in, <laughs> oh, are in Cape Town. There's so many of them. So I mean, many of like uh, investors. Let's call it that. So many. Hey,
2: there are plenty scammers in the city, man. You have to be careful how you move your. <laughs>
1: And uh, like in terms of culture wise, how different do you think it is from Zimbabwe, uh, from uh, South Africa and could be Cape Town, Johannesburg, since like this is a big country, I bet like region wise, it's also different cultures, but uh, from Zimbabwe, like what, what do you think the major like difference would be in people?
2: Major difference would be because of the life in Zimbabwe, a lot of people are a little more humble and a little more content with what they have because we don't have much. Um, I mean, maybe it's building up to become a better country, but it's taking a lot of time, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so when I see that humbleness from my country and then I come here and you're in an environment where people are putting themselves first kind of thing. Like everyone is like isolating themselves. Like, do I do this for me? Um, Like people are very like self-conscious about their appearance in this city especially so I find that a lot of people seem to be stuck up and yet it's very hard to find the right people that you can gel with and have a genuine friendship with um, mm-hmm. so I'd say there you're going to find a lot of honesty and a lot of humble people in terms of a culture
1: for sure I feel individualism and just self-centered people so many of those in here that's one yeah one and 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 obviously like the obvious for me when I first came in here, which was my biggest surprise, had no idea. And me will, obvi- you will obviously talk talk more about this, but the racial problem that is in South Africa, the divide, yeah. the divisiveness between black people and white people. Like I will say, like Portugal is not a perfect place. Obviously, it's uh, the third country with the most um, black people in Europe. I think it's England. Uh, I think it's yeah, England, France, and then Portugal. Uh, and obviously, there's still like issues, there's still problems. But in a way, like people, um, black people and white people, they all like connect with each other. I grew up in a school where like almost thirty percent, forty percent were black, and sixty percent were white. But everybody uh, played with each other. Like everybody was in with each other. I went to. I had. I have. I have so many uh, friends of mine who are POC, persons of color, and uh, coming here and seeing that there's groups there's like white people don't really go with black people and the the rest like
2: yeah it's, it's quite a generational thing because um when you look at like i would say the age group that i'm in and lower a lot of people are so open to being friends and then you discover like as you get older that's when it becomes groupy and people have their pockets of like you know there's some white people here this is like we can't go to this drinking place. There's too many white people there. It's like these kind of like, like queues and things, and like that we say. It's like it's, it's also racism, you know. If you think you can't belong in a place just because like there's a lot of white people there, then that gives you a big signifier of how it is in Cape Town. Um, and yeah, you start to find that people are like they fend for themselves. So you, you'll find white people can do stuff for white people to help white people, but a lot of the times they won't be in a position to help another person of color to get to a better platform. So you find mm-hmm. like more, more POCs giving advantages to POCs because, you know, no one else is going to open that opportunity. Um, I'd like to say it's getting a little bit better, but there's always things that are being exposed and cracks that are being exposed in the country um, and how unfair it is. And like we're still dealing with the effects of apartheid. Um, mm-hmm you will hear that a lot, you know, it's still, it's still mm. systematic oppression and racism, but it's very subtle these days, you know, it's nuanced things. It's like, for me, the one thing that I experienced that I feel is so racist is not being able to share the same elevator together, you oh, know, I mean, um, when yeah, a, that for when me is a kidding. big signifier. Yeah. And I, I experienced correct. it yesterday and I experienced it today and I'm a person who rants. So on my platform on Instagram, I talk about these things and I'm honest and call people out, but like, it starts with things like that where you start to discover like, like, you are, you're, still like you know, you're still a minority to them. You're still, sure. uh, you know, it doesn't matter if I look like I dress well, I still look like I'm a potential threat, you know, stuff like that.
0: That's crazy because, you know, uh, if you think about, about the African continent, South Africa maybe is the most developed country during the continent. And yeah. it's crazy that they have these social issues still nowadays uh in in a hand you have you know this totally developed country with mcdonald's kfc kind of stuff you know all these things you know consuming the the culture from outside and then in the other hand you got this you know totally racist society dividing people still, and it's totally crazy to think about in the 21st century you know um here yeah, in I brazil think. i experienced a lot of racism, and but still is not like, you know, dividing the way that you say, like taking an elevator, you, c- you couldn't be able to take an elevator with white, white people. And that sounds terrible to, to live this way. And you cannot do anything for, you know, make it a better because it's a fa- thing that, you know, it's stated in the mind of people. So, wow, man. Yeah. It sounds, I I, can, I cannot, you know, <laughs> I cannot say, like, I, that, I'm not, yeah. I, can, I cannot think, you know, being in this situation.
2: I mean, there's, there's so many. Experiences I can go through in my life, especially as a foreigner, like being in South Africa, like I, I don't consider other Africans foreigners in the sense that like we're neighbors you know show love, but I mean, I can recall when I first came to this country and um, I used to be bullied because i can't speak a African language or what we call vernacular. Yeah. I only speak English so that kind of racism my experience like even from my own black peers that yeah, is yeah, actually yeah, where got it you, came got you. and then on the other side I have my principal who told me if you come to this country and you don't want to learn our language go back to Malawi like that time I'm not from Malawi. And it's these things like it's these microaggressions and these like oh, yeah. like for someone to say something like that, they've definitely got a hate for either Malawians or Zimbabweans and like you don't just say stuff like that you know especially to a seventh grade kid and stuff like that like <laughs> it's insane like- yeah,
1: it's insane it's like and yeah. most of the times these small things are the ones who are not tackled on because people think oh they're just small things it's just like yeah. sentences that people say but they will go uh, past it the but then these yeah. things are the ones that who create the bigger thing and yeah. if we don't yeah. tackle these roots then yeah. the tree will grow and it's not just cutting the leaves of the tree, it's like getting to the roots of the problems yeah it's a
2: problem that needs to be solved and it almost feels like people need to learn the hardware. I feel like there should be a punishment for like racism, you know, like mm-hmm. it's taken as a joke, especially in the sense of like when you say something racist or subtly racist like um, a, a co-worker I'm actually not a co-worker, a friend of mine said her co-worker made a joke about Zimbabweans because obviously they work on big form sets and so they talk on, um, um, on the, what he calls walkie-talkies and they were like, they said something like, we need someone to, to who took this from so-and-so place? And yeah. the person responded responds in it, intercom, ask the Zimbabweans, they they good at stealing? Like, right. it's nuances like that. Yeah. Like, small things, you're like, okay, like, is this the, the idea you have of these people? Like, people, yeah. where do you get this idea from? Where's it generated from? And these kind of things need to be punished. People need to understand that, like, you know, it comes at a cost of like me emotionally dealing with it or that person. And then like this person needs to learn that, you know, then there has to be consequences for, for things like this that should be considered a crime.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just the inequality as well. I, I felt, at least I kind of feel weird that when I go to a restaurant, all of the servers uh, are POC. And when I go to someplace, all of the servers, like uh, just the employees from like these very, like like shitty jobs in a way they're all yeah. poc and i just feel yeah. like am i like i understand my priv- my privilege here but i just feel bad because just yeah i feel like uh you know like yeah, people are not like right? the
2: same way man i always say to my girlfriend like i hate that i hate being called sir by someone that's my brother that's the same color as me like i hate being called how are you doing sir it's everything good. So I hate that man. Like I'm you know, I'm not your sir, bro. You you are <laughs> you are your own yeah. man. And like it feels weird. I mean, I mean, when I went to Europe in 2016, I went to Germany, I was so shocked that the people working at the tills in the store are white. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 people yeah. The yeah. servers at the restaurants are white, the chefs in the back are white. And I get maybe because it's like more white people in Europe, but like like it, it almost feels like in, in South Africa, all the all these like Low skilled jobs are reserved for black people. Like you're almost destined to either yeah. be working as a shop teller, as a parking meter person. Maybe Guillermo, you'll notice in the city um a lot of people wearing the orange and blue um mm-hmm. like visibility jacket, the parking meter people. Those kind of jobs are reserved reserved for black people. Whereas in Europe, a lot of white people do this job and black people.
1: Yeah. No, actually, do me. I'll tell you something that I actually like. Uh, was very surprised in uh, Europe. A lot of countries in Europe, I'll say, we don't have like uh, lower jobs. Like for example, we don't have people pumping gas onto our cars. We don't have a lot of grocery stores. They don't. We don't even have cashiers. Uh, for example, we don't have people begging groceries at the grocery store. Like we don't have these types of jobs shop. because. Yeah, yeah, because people just don't want to do those jobs and people, in a way, like, not just study, but they just go to the other, like, upskill jobs. And in Portugal... so you got the opportunity of, there. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But, yeah. like, in Portugal, for example, we have so many POC people working at, like, high, higher, like, type of jobs, like banking. Even our prime minister is black and uh these kinds of things. Yeah. And I, when I come here and I just see that these very low-scale jobs are just main, mainly for uh, the, um, the black community. I'm like, fuck, this is shouldn't, yeah, be, it shouldn't be. It
2: sucks because you feel like you're destined to live this life, especially with how bad our education system is. You feel like you are boxed in and like this is like your last resort is to be a cashier. If you don't have good grades in matric and you don't have a connection to get into a quality university, then... You're either going to be unemployed or just making bare minimum wage. Like the minimum wage is
1: rubbish, man. <laughs> can imagine, can imagine, oh, and just horrible, like plain interactions. Yeah. I just feel like the, yeah. the first f- thing would just be interactions. Like I, I just feel bad because every time I interact with a with a POC, I'm always like super like casual. I don't know, and they're always surprised and that is good for them but that is not good for me because i feel like this should be the norm like this should be how it's yeah. supposed to be like yeah. always just saying like you don't know no, just good morning just ha- having a conversation and uh they're like they act surprised because in a way they feel like they're just there to do their thing and just yeah just pass on and uh,
2: yeah man it's, it's a crazy life. And you, like what you said earlier, like this is the 21st century. I was this still a trend. I was still existing.
1: For sure. Weird. For, for sure, for uh, sure. But yeah, now going back uh, to your rants on Instagram <laughs> for viewers changing the topic, literally completely changing the topic, but no, for sure. Uh, Doomy is one of the funniest people and just genuine people on Instagram. He does the funniest rants and they're not even a skits they're just full-on rants about like real shit uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah just they're literally on. about
2: yeah. real shit so i'm a very vocal person i think from a young age i learned to, in the kindest way to not give a fuck um mm-hmm. because you know I kind, of, I kind of feel like i've been through it all like all that bullying and whatever now i'm like okay it's my turn to just not give a fuck you know so <laughs> About that mentality. If something pisses me off, I'm ready to call someone out about it. Like we're gonna talk about this. If like I said, someone didn't want to get into the elevator with me, like I'm gonna talk about that because people need to be aware of that. So I'm almost a person that likes to make people aware of like like transgressions and like all these things against like either people of my colour or just like maybe like people, whatever the trend is in Cape Town, I'll make fun of it. So I'm very just honest and open, just pull my phone out and just talk and probably takes five minutes and I'm done. And and then it just blows up for like a day. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: and it creates a conversation. I think that's the most important thing. Like people are scared to talk about certain topics that are important because uh, they're like, oh, this is uh, taboo. This is controversial, blah, blah, blah. But when we talk about these things, it creates a discussion, conversation, then it probably hopefully leads to something bigger. But yeah, we have to start somewhere, I guess, and that's. You gotta somewhere start just-
2: somewhere, and starts with being honest with people. Like, there's there's a lot of this, like, dishonesty. I don't know if that's the word in, South, in Cape Town. People deceive each other in terms of lifestyle and you know, friendships. So, you gotta just learn to be honest, and people appreciate honest people. Often, yeah. when I post a rant, I'll get a lot of story replies, and the common the common response is like, "Dude, I feel the exact same way." Or i always wanted to say this, but I'm too scared to say this. So you'll start to find that there's a, there's a lack of, like, you know, honesty here. And people actually are craving honesty. People are like, well, I want you to rant more. I want you to say some real things. It's almost like they're living through me, through my voice, like to say, well, dude, can you talk about this? This is pissing you off. Can you talk about this? I'm almost, I'm almost like that. But I don't take too many suggestions for my rants. It just happens. But when it does happen people are like, oh my God, I feel the same way. Like hundred percent of the time it's like that.
1: For sure.
0: Amazing. I mean, I mean straight on. you know, getting the courage to, to say what people, you know, are are kind of, you know, sometimes even shy to say, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's the way, that's the way to do. Yeah. I got
2: to be honest with friends platform. and everyone.
1: Mm-hmm. It's most For important. Sure. And now like going back to Zimbabwe just to talk a little bit more about obviously your country. What like yeah. good memories do you have when you were like in a, a kid, like fourth grade, fifth grade, when you were there? Back in China, that you, like places that you went to. I know that uh, like one of the seven natural wonders in the world is in Zimbabwe. So Victoria yeah, Falls, Victoria
2: Falls. Mm. Victoria Falls um, my friend is actually visiting. there. He sent me a video. Um, mm. oh, I was cool. But that's one of the big places that I loved going as a kid um my dad is always into like taking day trips and like when the opportunity is there to take a trip on the weekend so we do a, we did a lot of driving as kids like just listening to music that's where also my appreciation for music comes from is that i've always been listening to music in terms of like it's just in the car it's just there and like yeah. you know i gravitate towards it. it but i mean as a kid i used to just like adventure a lot um i stayed in a cul-de-sac so I, I had like a group of friends as well, um it almost felt like I was living Eddie in Eddie's life, you know. Like <laughs> your friends are all in this one circle in the street, and like I think if I could relive that, I would do it like ten times over. Like that was like the best time of my life living in that place.
0: Oh, cool.
2: <laughs> it sounds yeah, like a group
1: of friends where you can just like do shit together, like explore. Let's that's... just go to this abandoned place. Yeah, this adventure. Like yeah, I mean, that's
2: we were fairly we were fairly naughty. Um, we used to have um, a back area from the cul-de-sac in the bush where people, like, would dump beer bottles and, like, a whole bunch of trash. So we would always, like, just go, like, we'll be like, do you guys want to go break bottles? So we just walk around <laughs> into the bush. Everyone gathers a bottle. Everyone gathers a couple bottles, and it's just, like, it was just, like, stress Really, I didn't have stress as a kid, but just throwing That's the bottles you needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, I wish I could it's do that as kid. an adult. Yeah,
0: me oh, either, I bro. Me either. Anybody my me? Life. Oh, yeah,
1: just being a kid, just like yeah, doing. Yeah. Uh, Imagine if, I got, if I got this
0: power, it would definitely oh, wow. go back to to kids son definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, if I could do it for a day, hundred percent. But I don't think I would like to restart the journey of my life. No, I think. Either. I think. Uh, yeah, no. some people, enough. depending on their lives, they'd be like, "Oh, I would do it again." But there's certain parts where I'm like, "Oh, do I have to go through that again?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> but sure. to be a child in the cul-de-sac breaking beer bottles any day, any damn day. Damn.
0: Oh yeah, cool. Why are you saying all those things? Uh, I was thinking about that movie Stand by Me. So I was imagining you and your friends, you know, kind of going the trails and looking for, you know, things. Yeah, fuck it. Um, sounds, it sounds very much like my childhood. So, well, oh. <laughs> cool. and I, I f- mean,
2: I hope one day when I get to make films and long movies that I could. Relive some of my childhood adventures in the film. Yeah, no. that's a good project, thing about yeah, filmmaking, yeah, right? Going you back, you can project your
1: cars. like your your yeah. memories in your uh, life in a way into the film and just yeah. explain to people what you went through and uh, the things that you really liked and those kinds of um, themes for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I always just I have such a vivid imagination, so. I can just go back to those days. I think I could like mentally, I can just be there. And then I think I could just know what to make as a film, you know, in terms of like, mm-hmm. my life.
1: No, for sure, for sure, for sure. And uh, and do you feel like a, there's like a safety difference between uh, Zimbabwe and South Africa? Because that was one of the things that I noticed here and for our viewers, uh, South Africa is the third country with the most criminality rate in the world, which is insane. I think the first one is Venezuela, the second yeah, one, the I second mean. one is Papua New Guinea, and then it's uh, South Africa. Right. And I felt that like instantaneously. And obviously, we're in Cape Town. I guess it's a bit safer than uh, I, I think. I have no idea if it's safer than Johannesburg, but that's what people tell me. Um,
2: mm. I mean, the entire uh, country is a very, very dangerous playground. Like. I would say Seapoint feels a little safer because of the amount of attention that's put on this area for protection, you know. You'll never Mm -hmm. find this kind of protection, this amount of patrolling guards in, let's say, uh, a suburb like Kailicha or Guguletu or or Langa, which are considered our quote-unquote ghettos. You'll never find that much security as what it is here, so you'll always feel safer seeing a man with a cap holding a baton or, like with handcuffs, you like have that safety. But in general, it's a very dangerous place compared to Zimbabwe, I think. And I think it's because in Zimbabwe, there's a bigger punishment for petty crimes, you know, in terms of like pickpocketing, stealing, murder, big penalties. In South Africa, you can get away with a murder with an easy bail. So you'll find that, um, I think okay. recently I read um, an Airbnb. Post was murdered by the people staying at the Airbnb, um, and they they got bail for thousand five hundred grand. Okay. Oh so my cost- god! <laughs> 1, grand is roughly maybe sixty or seventy euros. I don't know what the conversion is. And you like
0: nobody I really? can get away
2: it's not free. And it's the same thing with like crimes, like when um, somebody is um, sexually assaulted. And the person is apprehended, like the criminal is apprehended. You can post bail for five thousand rand. You know, it's nothing. Which is no, also, so it's literally nothing. Which so it sounds like you so- know, a friend can so- pay for that. A friend can take a loan to pay for that, or you yourself could get that money, like you know, to pay easy. for it. So it's almost so easy to commit the crime because you like know, oh man. You know, maybe a couple thousand could get me out of it. And at the same time, it's the corruption of the police force so you you kind of like you know the people that are supposed to save you are also committing large crimes like you know um if you look at the situation in pretoria and mum right now where they've got like local vigilante like people taking justice into their own hands because the police are so in tune of the criminal activity there's this guy called john wick in pretoria and okay. he was killing a whole bunch of He's called John Wick. And <laughs> he was actually a kickass. Yeah. He is, he's the a <laughs> African kickass. He's the John Wick. And he's like out there just like literally like civilian vigilante. He's there taking out a whole bunch of gangsters. There's a big um, issue with gangsterism there. Um, so, I mean, and it's also the same in Cape Town. But you've got people taking things into their own hands because they don't feel safe by their own police. You know what I mean?
1: Fuck. That is, I had no idea. I had no idea. That is crazy. Yeah.
2: I mean, you can bribe a cop so easy here, man. Like, and sometimes cops want you to bribe them. So in Zimbabwe, yeah. if you think you're going to get away from a cop with the bribe, they're going to kick your ass. They'll pull you out of that <laughs> and kick your ass. Worst off, if you get stopped by a soldier, they'll pull you out, kick your ass, and make you do push-ups and squats. <laughs> then kick your ass for more. Okay, so, yeah. so, so, I feel like in Zimbabwe, the punishment, like, it's, it's riskier to be a criminal there, you know, you gotta be real slick with it, you gotta be able to get away. How cause... it's
0: supposed to be, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's
2: how you're supposed to be a criminal. Yeah. But in South Africa, bail is cheap. Um, I don't know what plea deals are out there for murderers, but bail is cheap, that's all I'm gonna say. Well, the that's actually very interesting <laughs> weird because,
1: because like in the Middle East, people think that's like the most dangerous place ever, but it's not because like they don't have that many crimes because again, if you do commit like even just theft chop your hand hand. like
2: people are still being threatened with great punishments like hanging and like you know, like executions and stuff Mm -hmm. so you look at it like like it's it's like similar to having a, a teacher who's not strict, you know, you're pushing the you're pushing the limits. You're like, you know, bullying her. But then once you have a strict teacher, you're like, holy shit, I actually can't I can't do what I used to do before. So it's mm-hmm. about having a stricter system, less corruption, and, like, you know, just people need to understand that the crime should be taken a little more seriously. Once the bail goes up for, like, a thing like a murder or a sexual assault, you'll start to probably see that, like, it, it decreases. Like, it becomes less... Um, of a like a statistic because people are now more aware of how serious the punishments are. Just like people getting their hands chopped off. Not that we should have that in South Africa, but there <laughs> needs to be a more serious punishment for this shit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially because yeah. I'm always hearing the ambulance going going back, forth. So I can only imagine yeah, what they're doing. But <laughs> Jesus, it, it probably isn't good. Probably isn't good. No. Nah, bro. Oh, so, so, so
0: while <laughs> And how is uh, divided by, a, you know, by white or black people, they're the, the criminal things? Like, it's the police, they're having the same behavior for white, for white ones than the black ones? And how, how is it divided right there? How do you feel? There's
2: a, there's a difference you, between white and black criminals, if you look at it. <laughs> Your black criminals... They don't uh, get money for
0: bribes, so they go there. <laughs>
2: I would say your black criminals come in two categories or your POC criminals come in two categories, which is like obviously your regular hijacking, big crime, money, theft, And then you get your politicians who are like stealing money from funds and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then you also have like crooked white, you know, people who like, especially in the political system as well, um or just in general with crazy deals around the country like there's a lot of criminal activity coming from all sides but in terms of like gun crime and hijacking and you know robbing from um, those money transfer vehicles a lot of it is committed by poc criminals so you start to find that it's it's like it's just pointed at them like it's like um It's like your target already, even as a person who's like average and doesn't steal, just because of the color and how consistent your color has been with crime. um, Mm -hmm. You also looked at as a target as a regular person, which is why I always like try and dress a little special so I can, you know, get out of that bracket that they put us in. um, And that is it.
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. And I bet a lot of it just comes out of desperation as well, just to get something. Yeah, it comes out
2: of desperation that's all you can do. Uh, I remember this one American rapper said, like, why why go work a terrible job and get a bad paycheck every month when I could go do a day of crime and come back with a bigger bag? Like, if, if you're telling me for working at a grocery store, I'm getting 3,000 rands a month and I have two kids and a house, like, no, man, I'm going to go steal. I'm going to go hijack cars. I'm going to go blow up ATMs because that's the easiest way. And it's out of desperation because the system is against you to succeed like the legal way so you Mm -hmm. kind of forced to break rules
0: for sure 100 it's totally the you know uh, we could be talking about it all the way along and we won't find any solution for it bro. and the system yeah the system sucks bro the system sucks it's all political as well it's you know
1: it's political that's where like the biggest anger me
0: when when someone says that you know, white people got the same opportunity as black people. That that's making me, you know, nervous because there are people that thinks this way, bro. And yeah, this this is disgusting. It's insane to yeah. think this way. You know, it's funny
2: you say that. We're working on a documentary at the moment to to pitch um, about things like that that are happening in South Africa, where white people are growing up with so many advantages at their doorsteps. You know, that's you go true. to expensive big schools where you have amazing sporting facilities. You have a way forward. Your path is there for you. It's set in stone. Then you come to the other side where, and the funny thing is, the other side from the rich side, they're not so far apart from each other. There's a special image that was taken in Time Magazine in Joburg, like a drone top shot, that shows the separation of yeah, the poorest side and the richest side. So you, you find that, like, kids with the passion and they want to do something to get there, and, like, they don't have the same like, step ladder to get to that level because the path isn't paying for them. The system is working against them. Um, and they own, they own people that are supposed to help them deceive them. Like, our politicians will be like, we're building new roads in the rural areas in the ghetto. We're doing this. We're going to get irrigation working. And they steal that money to buy themselves sports cars and big houses. And that's when we get, like, you know, people who are just stunted in their life, people who... All those opportunities are taken away and now you've got to be a cashier you can't be a tennis player like you wanted to be because your school doesn't have a court or you know your, the yeah. school doesn't have a, a rugby field like you you're destined to just be a cashier or something
1: i actually saw that because by what i've seen and by what I, what I, and by what people have told me the majority of white people here in cape town they go to private schools They don't even go to public schools. And in Portugal, private schools aren't even a thing once you get to college. And I was thinking about, now I understand like more of the division because obviously the white people go to their own schools and the black people have to go to their own schools. And I guess that creates that big division because they don't interact. So it's like, yeah, they they grow there's no interaction. Yeah, Yeah. And they start, I guess the white people start putting their own ideas in their heads about POCs, and then it yeah, creates I this whole thing.
0: That's how it
2: Yeah. When you're separated for so long, like, especially considering that high school and primary school are your formative years where you're learning how to be a human being in your early stages, mm. how to interact and engage with people. And if you find, like, you've never had a black friend or never experienced being around black people, then all of a sudden you're in college and you have a black student in your class and you don't know how to, how to act, like, you know, like, you, you're so like deaf to like the other side of the world, when you split things up with private schools and private institution, people will never get to integrate because it always just means the more fortunate are able to be in a private school, the less fortunate in government schools. We're never going to, we're never going to touch base with each other.
1: For sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds, you know, horrible system to, to be with. But guys, we're reaching the end of our podcast so far. Yeah, It's been really fast, you know, like when the yeah. conversation is good, when the conversation is good, like fast by fucking fast. But before ending mm-hmm. this podcast, I just want to get to open his mic and ask the last question we do every single episode. Feel free, buddy.
1: For sure, for sure. Cool. This is going to be a cool question that we do every podcast. And uh, especially for you, it's going to be great because you moved to South Africa. So um, what is the thing that makes you the most proud about being from Zimbabwe? Like when you came here, you talked to new people. What was the thing that you said after you said you were from Zimbabwe, the really distinctive, yeah, from the country?
2: One thing that made me proud and makes me proud, I would say, is like the resilience of my people. We don't give up easy, you know? Like, there's always a fight to be, to get out of the worst situations, and I feel like we are always the most positive people, so I think I'm really proud that, like, a country that goes through that much, like Zimbabwe has, and is still going through, people are still so positive on life, man, like, it's crazy. And If I compare it to here, a lot of people aren't positive about their futures, and there's a lot more advantages, but with my people, I feel like there's positivity, there's happiness in all kinds of situations. I don't know where it comes from, and I don't know if we're built and designed like that, but like we are such loving people and I'm proud that when someone else says, oh, you're from Zimbabwe, your people are nice from there. Like that kind of shit makes my heart go like, okay, like I I, I know where I'm from, I love where I'm Mm -hmm. from, and like I can appreciate it. So you'll always hear good things about Zimbabweans and like that's what I'm proud about is that we've kept we've kept such a great reputation with our positivity and it's it's you know it's spread to the world and people know it know us for being like that you know so I would encourage you to go and experience that pride one day visit Zimbabwe go and experience a tour guide who's passionate about your interest go experience like corner markets that are passionate about new people in the country it's like it's such an experience, and like I think
1: for I sure. even want to go and live that again. You know? <laughs> yeah, live it's all for sure.
0: It's all about your heart, bro. It's all about what you got right there, your roots, yeah. everything, you know. So yeah, so yeah. I mean, I, I share the same thing as, as being Brazilian. When I met a Brazilian outside, that that's the that's the that's the feeling, you know. We got a bunch of problems right here, but still, when I go abroad and I say I'm Brazilian people got happy you know immediately yeah. so yeah that's that that's the thing i want to you know to spread whenever i go yeah for that's sure it. so guys well thank you so much do me nice to meet you first of all buddy and well, thank you, you too, so man. much for being a guest to this episode uh, know that you represented very well your country your people you know, 100. Yes. So yeah, bro. Thank you so much, and give one more time. Right. Thank you so much, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, it's
2: a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to listen to this when I'm working. Sure.
1: I had a first thing
0: for sure. <laughs> working, working, yeah. <laughs> for sure. My listeners, and see you next week. I'm Take it easy. We'll see you And that's it. Bye bye.